listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So, Jeff, I'm really excited about today's episode because we are continuing our Kevin Bacon series, as I like to call it, a.k.a. (laughs) (laughs) Seven Avenues of Connection Back to Jay Lobs. So our guest today, we found through Jay, and I'll let you introduce him, but I'm really excited about this topic, and I'm also really excited about what he's doing in his business and learning more about it. So I'm going to hand it over to you and let you make that intro. I'm doing something a little bit different on this this podcast because, as Jason said, we kind of have a stranger on the phone to some degree, Raj Sushak from Grit Seed. Say hi, Raj. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Raj. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and, and I want to say why Raj is on this call. I told Jay after we had recorded our episode with him, or actually Jay told us, told Jason and me, boy, I know some great people that would be great guests on your show. And I said, you know, that's, that's great. You know, share them. You know, I was kind of a little guarded and I sent him a note. I said, all right, here are the type of people that I want. I just don't want somebody out here wanting to promote their wares. I want somebody that has a great story that is out to help others, but isn't famous, but should be. And bam, up pops Raj. And wow. I, I thought to myself, man, that's cool. That's cool. And that's quite an endorsement coming from Jay. So I called up Raj and we had a quick conversation. And all I can say is he's infectious and his thinking is so spot on, probably because I agree with it so much. That's but dangerous the subject, right there, Raj. I'm getting yeah. nervous. I might have to cut off this episode. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. I'm getting nervous too here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So this is a long diatribe by Jeff McKay. Listeners know it well. But Raj has this, has started a new company called Gritseed and is writing a new book. And I'll let him talk about that called Hiring for Grit. But the reason I want to really have Raj on and and dive into aligned with our series on growth is how do you get the right people into the organization when you're growing like a rocket ship? And not all of our listeners are growing like a rocket ship, but they want to. And Raj's thinking is not only going to help them fuel you know their recruitment efforts, but I think it's also going to help them think differently about growth so they're not growing in the normal, slow way. So Raj, I'm just going to shut up. Jason's going to shut up and you're just going to start talking and sharing your wisdom. <laughs> wow. Well, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate this, this opportunity to, to speak with you guys. And I, of course, really thankful to Jay also for his kind words and his support. So like you mentioned, my name's Raj. I'm the founder of Gritseed. And you know, what I get really excited about and really passionate about is this this concept of, you know, what can organizations do to hire talent that is aligned with who they are as an organization? What can organizations do to hire talent quickly and, you know, not make poor decisions on who they're hiring? How, how can they reduce their risk? What can organizations do to, you know, create opportunity and impact in their communities? 
because you know there are lots and lots of people out there that are underemployed, and we'll we'll talk about that in just a bit. But you know, organizations have the ability to create so much impact in their communities and people's lives by giving them a chance. And so, what can organizations do to be a, a good corporate citizen? And you know, along the way, you know, how can organizations build a team that is just works really well, that's aligned, and you know, can deliver the goods? That's really, really important. And and this concept of hiring for grit is really something that, frankly, I I didn't write any thesis on or anything like that. I was I I kind of ran into this because of necessity when I was starting my first company, Cloud Sixty Two. It was self funded. We were a Salesforce consulting partner. After having spent four years at Salesforce, I always wanted to start a company, and I was really excited. And so you know, with a with a pregnant wife and lots of other curveballs thrown at me when I was starting this company. It was amazing. You know, I, you know what, we're going to start a company, a crazy person that I was with very little money. You know, I, I have to thank my wife, by the way, before I move any further, because she had the patience to deal with my shenanigans of the uncertainty that goes on with starting the company. But the, the key here is that I didn't have a whole lot of money. I was looking to hire people that were very expensive and hard to find. And I was competing for those people with companies that were way more funded, provided way better benefits, provided all of the bells and whistles that people look for when they go work at a company. So I didn't have a whole lot of choice. And so what I decided to do was, wait, you know what, instead of hiring people who are Salesforce experts, I will train them, right? That's the natural natural thing to do. I will train people that are, you know, trainable, that have a certain mindset, that have analytical kind of skills, and, and I'll get them up and running. But what I didn't realize at that time was that that approach is what would grow Cloud 62 and help us scale and keep our attrition level to like absolute rock bottom. And it would make us into these ninjas that we would help our customers because we were so focused and we worked so well together. So that's really where the concept of hiring for grit came about, you know, go out and Look for people that you know you could hire, and again, just to be fully transparent, you know, I didn't have any ulterior motive of like, okay, well, I'm going to go and be a good corporate citizen and create some opportunity <laughs> in my community. I didn't have that luxury at that time, right? Being a one-person shop, two-person shop. So my initial motivation behind this was, how can I keep my costs low and hire the right people? And out of that came all of this amazing stuff that I've learned, which. I write about in the book, Hiring for Grit, and that we'll talk about today. I want to know, who was your most bizarre, strangest hire when you think, boy, who would, why would somebody hire that person? You yeah. saw something in someone. What's your best story? So lots of stories. But one that probably strikes out the most is I hired this guy. He was referred to us through somebody else that worked at our company who had hired, by the way, on Craigslist. So I do. I used to hire a lot of people on Craigslist. So this guy, Pete, he was you know introduced to me and I got a piece of paper, his resume. And on that resume, I saw things that had nothing to do with salesforce.com, nothing to do with technology, like software and so on. What I saw was he was a high school dropout. He was a pastry chef. He had worked as a pastry chef for 10 years, roughly 11 years, actually. And there was nothing that stood out on his resume, but he was a referral and we were desperate to hire. So I did a quick Google search on him on LinkedIn. And guess what I found? I found a picture of Pete with a colored mohawk and a piece of steak right next to his face. That was his LinkedIn picture. Okay. That's exactly so, how you picture a Salesforce consultant, right? There you go. There you go. So as you can imagine, you know, the horror 
that I experienced thinking, wait a second, either I've lost my mind or something is off. But but I had to give him a chance because of necessity. And I was, by the way, just to be really clear, at that point in our Cloud 62 journey, I had hired amazing people this way. So I was very aware that there are amazing people like Pete out there that may not fit necessarily the mold that I have expected them to fit in, but they're still amazing. And so I was very open to that too, in addition to the necessity, just based on the experiences that I had had prior to Pete at Cloud 62. So we bring him in for an interview and in comes Pete. He's all buttoned up, suited. It was a pleasant surprise. I was literally expecting somebody to walk into my office with not well put together, put it that way, not professionally put together. But did he, did he still have the mohawk? I, I have he, to know. He did not have the mohawk. Oh, that's, that's a big letdown. Suit yeah. and mohawk would have been fabulous. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he walked in without a mohawk. I used to give everyone that walked into our office, you know, I, I would tell them, you know, anyone that wanted to work at Cloud62, I would tell them the story that, you know, as candidates, you know, we can't offer you what the bigger companies can offer you, but here's what we can offer you. We promise to be truthful to you about the fact that you have to enjoy what you're doing at Cloud 62. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing for a consistent period of time, if you're not excited about Monday morning, you need to be totally transparent and truthful to me and others on the team, because that's how we're going to grow our company. That's how we're going to build a culture of belonging to in our company. And so I promise you a culture of truth where people genuinely like working at Cloud 62. People genuinely enjoy the type of work they do, the people they work with. And if that's not happening, I promise to a culture of transparency where we can address that and we can solve any and all concerns that come up. And that, you know, most people, unfortunately, they live a life where they don't really enjoy what they do professionally so that they can earn money to buy things that they don't really need so that they can please people that don't really care about them. And at Cloud62, our greatest fear was becoming comfortably numb and just just living versus you know, proactively living. I would have this, you know, talk with the people that walked into my office and I would tell them about this, this really important philosophy that I believed in and, and others at our company believed in. And that's really how the conversation started with Pete. And I think he was shocked because he <laughs> came from a very different background, right? Working as a pastry chef and the restaurant he worked at, by the way, was amazing. Just imagine, right? This guy would wake up in the morning for nine, 10 years, open the restaurant, take the bus, open the restaurant, prepare for the chef then work on his pastries, lived with four other guys, didn't have a place of his own, didn't have a car. And that's what he did. After dropping out of high school, he worked at a pizza shop and a Chinese restaurant. And then he ended up at this, this amazing restaurant in Buffalo. And so imagine the guy walking in and me telling him this. And I think he was just, he was kind of blown away. He, he wasn't sure what to expect. And, and that's how our friendship began several years ago. I guess I'm, maybe I'm going to go left. I don't know, Jeff, but I love that story. And as soon as you said pastry chef, the first thing that came to mind was exactly the, the end of that story you just shared, that anybody that's ever been around people like that, they know the demands of, of a job like that and what that means about the work ethic of this person. So my question is this, is that I think our listeners, people that are listening to these, these stories and hearing you talk about your culture that you built in the past and what you're doing now, the first inclination is to think, well, Raj is some kind of magician that knows how to look at people and size them up and figure out, you know who's going to have grit or who's not or whatever. So my question is, how have you started to deconstruct that, to systematize it, to say, you know, it's it's not just some magical vibe that I get from hiring them. It's a system, it's a process, it's analytics, it's whatever it is 
that's underlying those hiring decisions. So can you lead us into that a little bit? Yes. The system that I learned through trial and error is really based on some core beliefs. Core belief number one is that anyone that applies for a role deserves a fair and consistent chance, period. Okay. And what that basically means is that a human or an algorithm does not get to decide whether I get a chance or not. So somebody in HR and recruiting, for example, doesn't get to decide whether I'm considered or not by looking at my resume, by looking at my experience, or by looking at my education. They don't. Okay. So that's principle number one. Or an algorithm doesn't get to stack rank me and say Raj has a 67 percentile grit rating. No. So, so that's very important to me. Because when you remove the human element, conscious or subconscious biases, when you remove the algorithms that are developed by humans, what ends up happening is the biases that typically exist in the system you know, can be dramatically reduced. So that's principle number one. Principle number two is that in the world we live in today, it's so easy for people to apply for a job, right? When you go on Indeed and LinkedIn and all of those places, you can one-click apply. It's click. There is no skin in the game for candidates many a times because they can't really tell their story. They're just one clicking applying. They have a piece of paper, this this litmus test that we call a resume, right, that people are going to look at. That's not really who that person is. And it's hard for them to show their skin in the game. So it's really important for candidates to be mindful and aware of what they really want to do. What is their ideal job and all of the different jobs that they've considered? And how are they going to demonstrate that? Number one, either they can do the job well, or number two, they can learn through a very disciplined process. They have a growth mindset. They're not going to be taken aback. They're not going to be shy about you know, trying and learning and failing and trying again and so on. So that's really important. The candidate, it's really demonstrating grit. Principle number two is up to the candidate, not up to anyone else, but the candidate. So we're, we're almost doing a you know, form of, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of Aikido, but it's like a form of martial arts where we're using your opponent's energy, right? We're using the candidate's energy to have them demonstrate who they really are and why they're the right fit for the role. That's number two, principle number two. Okay. Everyone gets a chance. Number one, number two, the candidate, if they're really interested in the role, they are going to demonstrate their grit, their growth mindset for that opportunity. Principle number three, the world we live in today is very different than the world we lived in five years ago, or even 10 years ago, obviously, because anything and everything you want to learn can be learned on YouTube or can be learned on a million other sites. You know, access to information is no longer the core problem. It's what you do with the information that matters. You know, information is a commodity at this point. So what matters is who you are and how you are able to consume that information and how you're able to apply that information in solving problems is very, very important. So it's less about, did I, whatever, study Python in college and more about, can I apply what it is that I need to do to be successful? So that's number three. The world we live in today, access to information is no longer the core problem. And then the final point is that there are millions and millions of underemployed people that are out there. They didn't get the opportunities that you and I did, okay, for whatever reason, or they made some poor choices and it's okay. You know, we're not here to judge anyone, okay? Millions of people out there that are underemployed, working in fast food, working in retail, or unemployed that if you give them a chance, they're willing to demonstrate, they're willing to grow, they're willing to show you that they're the right fit for the role. So really, that, those are the fundamental principles behind hiring for grit. And so going back to your question, Jason, how do we determine how someone has grit? Well, instead of you having to make that call as the hiring manager or as the recruiter, 
What you do is you demonstrate to them in an engagement process. You show them videos, you tell them what the job entails, you tell them stories about other people, and you create an engagement process. And then you ask the candidate, now show us how would you do X, Y, and Z. And those X, Y, and Z are job simulations, things that the candidate would do if they were hired. So let me give you an example. Say you're looking for an SDR, or say you're looking for an account exec. An SDR is a sales development rep or an account executive. Well, you could tell them about all the other account execs that work. You could show them videos and everybody, right? Everyone. Let's say if 500 people apply, all 500 people would be, you know, they would be given the same process. You show them the videos, you tell them the story about your company, your culture, your so on. And then you turn the tables and say, now tell us, what do you know about our company? Tell us, how would you write a little two-line email that you would send to a, a prospect introducing our company? Drop a little voicemail here and show us how would you leave a voicemail for a prospect that doesn't pick up the phone? How would you do a follow-up? Now, assume you actually go in person to meet with that prospect and have a conversation. How would you follow up with them after? What would you say? And in essence, really, what you're doing is you're role-playing. You're having a job simulation where they're able to say, okay, wait, now I actually need to think about what does this company do? What do their products really do? What kinds of problems are they solving? How am I going to pitch that? where the customer doesn't think of me just as a salesperson, but really someone that's actually helping them solve problems and helping them and so on. So, and then magic happens when you do this, by the way, because guess what? Out of the 500 people that applied, that one click apply on Indeed and others, right? Most of them won't go through this process. Mm -hmm. Most of them will say, this is too much work. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. Well, the way I think of it is if they say that as part of the interview type of, not interview, but pre-application process, you know, I see that as an opportunity for them to learn about the job and actually make an informed decision whether they're going to be happy in that position or not. And I also see that as an opportunity for the hiring manager to see, okay, well, how effective is this person going to be? What kind of energy does this person exude? And so on. So candidates self-select themselves out of the process by not going through the process. You did your job as the hiring manager and as the company by giving everybody the same chance. What they do with the chance is up to them. That's how you go about hiring for grit. I love that. I love that. You, you know what occurred to me, Raj, as you were describing, you know, the four steps and then the process for testing. It's it's just like Moneyball, right? It's, you know, if you've seen the movie Moneyball or read the book, they're recruiting players based on on base percentage. And you're recruiting for grit. Get the right people with grit because grit leads to the positive outcomes or what, however you're describing them on your playing on your playing field. But I love the way you talked about the, the job simulation because people do self-select. But what's even cooler, I think, about the process is you're asking them to be in a role with no training, no understanding of the organization. They have to go out and dig that all up on their own, right? Correct. Correct. They have to invest some time, right? And we're not talking about crazy amounts of time here. We're talking about enough time where they can make an informed decision about the role just as much as you as the hiring manager can make an informed decision about them. And, you know, working at a company isn't just a one-way street where, where, where the company decides whether you're the right fitter or not, right? It's, it's a two-way street where you are trading your most precious commodity that you have, your time. That's, that's a gift, right? You can never get it back. And you're trading that for fulfillment, financial gain, and some fun in the process and learning, right? 
And so you have to make an informed decision as a, as a candidate. And the interesting thing is the world we live in today, say I wanted to go work at company X. So say I wanted to go work at Google, right? If I really want to go work at Google, you know, there's so much I can do to demonstrate to Google that I want to go work there. I could look at all the, some of the challenges that Google's running into, some of the problems. I could look at their competition. I could look at what Google's vision is, and I could look at, you know, how I can help solve that vision. I could, I could prepare, I could put in the time, the energy, effort, and then I could reach out to the executives at Google and say, hey, look, this is, I really want to come work at Google. I've taken the time to learn about your company. I've taken the time to understand your vision about where you're going as a company. I have put in a lot of thought into it, and here's a little portfolio that I've built. Can you please take a look and can you please consider me? Now, that approach is very proactive compared to, you know, one-click apply, right? And I understand that approach takes time. I get it. But guess what? I'm making a conscious decision that I really want to go work at Google, right? I'm not just one-click applying. I'm deciding here are the top three companies that potentially I want to go work at. And then I'm putting in the time, the energy to demonstrate to them why I'm the right fit for the role. And I think that's a really fundamental principle behind hiring for grit. You know, it's not about quantity. It's about quality that matters. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. How do we flip that around though? Because because that, all that's from the candidate's perspective, right? Yes. So how do we flip that around? You know, you live through a rapid scale period inside of your firm and you used many of these principles to find people when you needed them most. What does this look like from the other side? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we hired, Pete is just one example. We hired people that made sandwiches at Wegmans. We hired people that installed satellite dishes, night shift UPS workers. The list goes on and on, right? We hired people that were from all walks of life. And how many people did you hire from a prior IT services firm with Salesforce credentials? Any? (laughs) One person who was my friend. And he wasn't from a Salesforce services firm. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, we just didn't. We just didn't. To be honest with you, we didn't because this process worked. I'm not saying that you shouldn't hire that way, right? Maybe the process works well for others and that's no problem. For us as a company, this approach worked and it it made us feel good. It made us build a sense of community. It really helped us build a culture which was, you know, so strong. You know, we always believed from the very beginning that culture eats strategy for breakfast every day, right? And, you know, I wasn't going to compromise on that. And so we wanted to build a culture where there was a sense of deep belonging and there was a sense of deep believing in each other and giving people chances. And yes, you know, we would screw up sometimes and sure, but that's part of life. And and we appreciated that. And we accepted that as a normal step in the process. I would think two thoughts here. One, traditional firms would probably think, well, that sounds nice, but that's really slow and expensive, you know, to grab these people and have to take the time to to train them and, and get them up to speed. And there's a lot of risk associated with that. I'd rather have somebody that has demonstrated an understanding of accounting law, Salesforce, HubSpot, pick your poison. I don't want to go near that because I want somebody that knows what we do right out, right? Right. And I think those are the firms that are growing incrementally that are like every other firm, right? Yes. They get the same types of people. 
I, as, as a matter of fact, you, you're getting the same type of people because you're taking it from probably somebody else. You're stealing that person right. from somebody else. Yeah. Well, so you're right. You know, and, and the interesting thing is, you know, when I started GridSeed, right, when I, when I went to companies and I was talking about this approach, that's exactly what I heard often, right? I, and I still do, mm-hmm. by the way. It's a very valid point that you make, right, where, you know, when you are under time pressure, when you're under budgetary constraints, when you're under time constraints and management constraints and so on, and you need to deliver, you don't always have the time to train people, right? And, but there, there, there are two things that I'd like you to please remember. First is that the people with grit that we're talking about here aren't necessarily people that need a whole lot of formal training because they have this mindset of they can jump into the deep end and they know that their mindset, their attitude is a big part of whether they sink or swim and that they're going to put in the time, the effort to learn. And if they don't, they're going to ask for help. So it's not a traditional, okay, well, we need to hire these people and then we need to send them to a six-month training course where they're just going to become vegetables in a classroom and fall asleep half of the day because they're not actively learning. These are people that you don't necessarily need to give them formal training. You do need to give them resources. And if you give them resources, they go out and learn. And when they're stuck, they ask you important questions. And so if you, you don't need to put in a lot of framework around that. So that's very important, number one. Number two is... If you don't hire this way, and if you keep hiring from the same pool of people, like you mentioned, you're going to you know, run into the same challenges that your competition is running into, that others are running into. See, I was able to grow in a cutthroat market. I was able to grow, you know, double our revenue every year for four years straight, right? And still maintain quality of product, quality of service, right? And have fun doing it. The reason why that was is because, you know, when I talked to Pete and I said, hey, Pete, we have a problem here. We need to fix this. You know, Pete didn't come and tell me that Raj, you know, I'm sorry, I can't fix this. Pete told me, Raj, I will fix this. And if I can't fix it, you will know well in advance. See, that was the difference. See, people with grit, okay, people with grit, they don't wait for others to tell them what to do. They see problems and they solve them before they become bigger problems. Exactly. They're driven by high locus of control, right? I can own this. I can fix this. And that that is so valuable because, as you said, you get to move much more quickly yes. and, and you don't have to micromanage these people. You just have yeah. to kind of channel energy, I would think, more than anything. If you think about Pete's story, right? I didn't mention this and I'm sure Pete won't mind me saying this, but like there's a reason why Pete quit high school, right? And the reason is that he was told to conform, right? He was told consciously or subconsciously that he didn't fit the mold. And he was told consciously or subconsciously that people didn't believe in him. And he knew he was so much better than what people thought of him. And in some ways, his mohawk, in some ways, is dropping out of high school. In some ways, him being such a dedicated pastry chef that had to get everything in order before the chef came in. Those were ways in which he demonstrated that he was more capable than what people made him out to be. And so when you hire people like Pete, you have to recognize that, that they have contributions to make and that you have to give them chances and you have to believe in them. If you look deep within their eyes, you will see fire in their eyes. You will see this appetite for more. You will see drive that is unparalleled. You will see an emotion when things are not right which is so positive and uplifting that it will actually drive your entire company and your entire team forward. It's incredible. And when you combine a whole bunch of people like that, people with that type of mindset, magic happens, right? 
Magic happens. I made so many mistakes at Cloud 62, hundreds of mistakes. And the only reason why we didn't blow up is because of my team, period, right? Because they pulled us out of every mess that I could put ourselves into. They pulled me out. They pulled our team out. And that's because they truly believed in who we were and we believed in them. Jason, we just hit that point. I told you we were going to get to. (laughs) I got got goosebumps as he was talking. That happened the first time I talked to him. That is so cool. Here's the painful part of this thing. And you know what I'm about to say, Jeff. No, don't say it because I have one more question. I'm giving you one question. And and this is a very serious. You have one question. There's no four parts, A, B, C, and D. Garage (laughs) to kind of, no, you have one question. And yes, I could talk to Raj for another seven hours, but we cannot do that. So I'm going to let you have that last question, even though I have a 50 I want to ask, because we will bring Raj back when his book publishes, because I want to read it and I want to hear more about it or before it publishes or somewhere in that vein. So anyway, your question, go. All right. Keeping it tight, Raj. Conventional firms would say, we hire for grit. I'm sure they do. We look for problem solvers. We look for people with tenacity, but it's one of 10 or one of 15 attributes. What I hear you saying is people that do this, hire for grit right, move that grit attribute up to what number in the list? Volume 11. (laughs) I'd say it's the number one thing that I look for. Mm -hmm. Number one, period. Mm -hmm. Because the only thing that matters to me as a hiring manager is your ability to grow, challenge yourself, do the right thing when no one is watching and fix problems before they become bigger problems. And I can tell you this with zero doubt in my mind. Hiring for character is so much better than hiring for skill or experience even. Because character is forged through years and years of pain and life experiences that cannot be taught. Those are conscious decisions that you make as an individual throughout your life. Good decisions, bad decisions, that is life. And those decisions define who you are as a person. And you bring those learnings to a job. See, you are an individual. You are not a resume. You are an individual and you have a background, you have stories, and you have lessons that you have learned And it's our job to figure out how we can take the skills that you may have, which is awesome, but more importantly, focus on where we could help you get to, okay? That's our job. And so I think hiring for grit is more important than anything. Now, I say that with one slight caveat. I'm not saying this approach works all the time. Please don't take it that way. The current approach in which you know, how organizations hire based on work experience or based on, you know, education and so on, it's still relevant. I'm not saying that you should throw that out the door. For example, if you're looking to hire, you know, a very seasoned executive, or if you're looking to hire, a, let's say, a, a neurosurgeon, I mean, you need people with, you know, experience and you need people with the right education, of course. So I'm not, you know, advocating that you should throw out the current process. All I'm saying is that, There's a real need for organizations to consider grit in the process. And the hiring that I do for technology, for sales, for marketing, for customer success, grit is characteristic number one. One thing I really liked about, I want to comment on before we close, is just it's easy to say that that wouldn't work in my firm. You know, firms listening to this saying that. But your example of how you built your methodology 
came out of a space in which it takes some pretty good technical chops to be a successful Salesforce consultant or administrator. And so you got to be pretty smart. And my point in saying all that is that, you know, I think a lot of firms listening to this could do themselves well by stepping back and listening to what you said and saying, are we overemphasizing the technical skills we think it takes? to do this job and underemphasizing the character attributes that that make us our, our people successful with a client with a customer. Yeah, I think I think that's a really important question, right? And the truth I think is based on, you know, what you know today. Like for example, the technical skills that I know today are very different than the technical skills that I needed to know 5 years from now, right? So the world is very quickly changing and, and in technology this applies all the more, right? Technology changes every 18 months. Literally the back end, just how systems work and programming paradigms and methodologies and so on are just constantly evolving. So it's very important for you to hire somebody that can keep up with that change. That's very important. The second thing that I just want to touch on is that most organizations, you know, if you look at a traditional bank, right, they have bank tellers, thousands and thousands of bank tellers. So if you look at people in retail, so you look at a company like Target, I guarantee you, or even a company like Walmart, there were over a million associates, right, that work at Walmart, where I guarantee you there's a, a strong number of people, or a high number of people out of that million, okay, that have grit, that are, that are waiting to be found, that are waiting for their opportunity. And so this hiring for grit isn't just about hiring externally. It's also about creating a culture of authenticity. It's about creating a culture of giving people chances internally within your company. And that chance, by the way, I just want to be really clear. It's not some, here's our intranet page and you click on apply and now your manager is going to be mad at you because you applied for an internal opening. No. That's the wrong way of looking at it. The right way of looking at it is how, what can you do as an organization to em- encourage and to celebrate people applying to different roles within your company because now they're starting to think proactively about what's right for them and where they can genuinely help the company. And what are you doing as a company to actually then enable them to grow in that new role, right? Wouldn't it be awesome if if a bank that's looking for technology talent could hire the bank tellers that they already have that understand their systems that they used every day that worked with customers that walked into the branches. And now when they go in as software developers and they have their weekly standups, they're going to be able to tell the stories of what it is like to actually work at the bank and deal with customers. So we should design our software this way. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? So that's what I think companies should also think about. It's not just about external hiring. It's also about internal hiring. Well, I have to cut us off. Um, we are well past our mandates. Fabulous interview. I, I really appreciate you taking the time with us, Raj. Just lots of really good food for thought on rethinking not only how you go about growth, but how you staff growth and how the two, I guess, sort of are tied at the hip, one driving the other or maybe vice versa. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff and Jason. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Cool. See you, Raj. See you, Raj. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, oh.